Well, good morning, and uh, so glad that you are here. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning, and uh, excited about today, and just want to say a special welcome to our guest. Um, we would love to connect with you. We'd love to know who's worshiping with us, so if you're a guest, whether in person or online, uh, there should be a card in the pew back in front of you if you'd fill that information out, and at the end of service, you can either leave it in the pew back, or the pew uh, there where you're seated, or leave it in the offering plate as we leave today. Either will be fine, or you can go to our website, sbcr.org, and there's a button that says, I'm new. You can click that button, fill that information out, and know uh, that we are uh, excited to have you and want to connect with you, and thank you so much for uh, being here. I want you to take note of the bulletin. There are a lot of things that you need to uh, be aware of. Let me mention to you that the, uh, today, this afternoon from 2 to 4, is a wedding shower uh, for Erica and Seth. And so I've been given very strict instructions to let you know that everybody is welcome. Uh, the ladies knew they were welcome, but men, I need to make sure you know that you are welcome to come and be a part as well. Um, and so uh, that's from 2 to 4 today, and so love for you to be able to come along and uh, be a part of that and help celebrate uh, them. As I was thinking about them and uh, this morning, how many of you still have like a wedding gift? Like you've been married 20 plus years, you still have a wedding gift, like, like plates or pans, anybody? Yeah, oh yeah. When you get married, you got nothing, all right? Now, mom and dad got everything. You got to go borrow theirs or wait to inherit it or whatever it is. Um, so this is a great time to invest in them and be a blessing to them. And so uh, even if you can't be here today, just want to encourage you to be praying for them and then also look for an opportunity uh, to be a blessing to them. Again, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, notes, a lot of updates. Uh, our men's Bible study kicks off uh, soon, next uh, Sunday night, and so guys, take note of that. Uh, one thing I want to take just a moment, and we're, this morning's going to be a little bit about making you uncomfortable. Uh, I know that's exciting for you all, uh, so let's go ahead and do that right here. Uh, I didn't give Tyler a heads up, but on the uh, there's a slide for our texting, our new texting number. Um, and here's what I need you to do. If you've got your phone, I know some of you are not going to like this, I'm sorry. If you've got your phone, take your phone out, and there is a QR code there or this number. Now let me just give some, reason I'm doing this, I need to give you some explanation, okay? Um, most of you know of our one call where we would call you, it would come from our Second Baptist Church number, and you know, you would get a call, all that sort of thing. Um, that is... That service has gone away. We don't have that service anymore. Now, I know that not everybody does texting, okay? If you don't do, and here's the deal. All you need to know with this is if you can receive text. We're not asking you to have to uh, text us or anything. This is a two-way number where you can text it. Um, but if you can receive text, this is going to be the easiest, best way to make sure you get that. Now, hear me say this. If your phone, you don't receive text, you can't do that, whatever it is, please in the next week or so let us know because we're going to be working toward making a list of those who cannot uh, receive text and we're going to figure out a way to solve that problem, okay? 
Um, but it's just the one call is, is no longer there. So we're trying to make sure and get this. All right, so I know a lot of you scan the code, or you can simply text the word second to that number, okay? Now, uh, if your information is in there, if we have your information in the system already, they're going to say, hey, it's going to get a message back saying, hey, thanks for joining this. Um, some of you may, your information may not be in there, and so you may get a text asking for name and email just to make sure we know who it is that we're texting and all that sort of thing. Uh, we're going to give you some more information. You can use this for sending prayer requests. Uh, obviously, we'll send you information, announcements. Uh, we'll send out prayer requests, all that sort of thing. And so this is going to be a really helpful way for us to be able to communicate with you um, in a simple way of texting. Now, again, I know not everybody texts. Um, that's okay. We're going to handle that and, and address that. Uh, but make sure that uh, those of you that can um, will use this number, uh, get this information, all right? Uh, th those follow-up questions, you don't have to answer right now. If it texts you back, you can just uh, turn it off or whatever it is you normally do during church and, and wait till the end uh, after church to reply to all the, the, the name and e email, that sort of information. It may ask you if your information is not already in our system, okay? All right, well, I know that's housekeeping and pushing into the uncomfortable, all that sort of stuff. We broke church rules, not getting your phone out. But I did notice who all had their phone, so there you go. Um, anyway, but um, hey, there's a lot of announcements. Pay attention to those. We're going to uh, pause and uh, just spend a moment in prayer, ask the Lord to be with our service this morning, uh, and then we're going to worship the Lord together. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, you are good, and there is none like you. God, thank you for your love and your affection, your mercy toward us. Uh, God, I pray this morning that, God, you'd speak to us. God, you'd help us to be more like you. God, I pray that uh, you'd, be, uh, you'd be among us this morning, that your spirit would be here. God, do more in this moment than we could ever dream of or we could imagine. Minister to us today. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Would you stand with us as we sing? This is amazing grace. I sing for 
all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like a sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done that amazing grace that saved us from our sins we have to think about that blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross what can wash away our sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no But the blood of Jesus For my pardon this I see Nothing but the 
songs we sang this morning were more of singing to God or about God, what He's done for us. And this is a, a newer song we've, we've done a few times here on Sunday morning called Jesus We Love You. And this is more of a response. It's talking about what has happened within us as a result of the saving work of Jesus Christ. What He did on the cross and how He rose from the dead. He's alive and because He's alive, we too can be alive. The old things are passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that's what this song is about. If you're not familiar with it, listen to it. Engage in this song. The chorus talks about how Jesus, we love You, how we adore You. Let this be a response this morning to what God has done in your life. We love you. Oh, how we 
hopeless have found their home. The orphans now have a home. All that was lost has found its place in you. You lift our weary head. You make us strong instead. You took these rags and made us beautiful. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Bible, and I hope that you do, would you turn to Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. We are continuing our series here on a healthy church and uh, want to continue with that uh, focus this morning. And uh, before I do, I want to <clears throat> one thing I wanted to mention uh, just quickly uh, about the the number again with the texting. You can send stop, and that will stop you from receiving all text messages, which takes you out of that. Uh, and the only way to get back in is if you do that. And so, if you text stop by accident or don't understand or whatever it is, call the office. Let us know. We'll, we can help you with that and talk to you about that, and and so on and so forth. I want to. Uh, jump back into uh, this third part of the series, but uh, I'm going to change the format just a little bit the way that we've been going. I've been giving you two objectives, give you one objective, then we kind of hit pause on the sermon, <clears throat> excuse me, and I give you that uh, keys to win, some of that practical uh, practical advice of, of how to better engage in church and all those sorts of things um, <clears throat> in, in the middle of and then continue on. Uh, we're going to change that just a little bit. I want to start with some of that this morning. 
Um, and so just want to share again with, you, uh, with, with these things. Um, <clears throat> I told you first week, um, uh, you know, obviously getting work with Coach Downey and Coach Kennedy and, and the program, the, uh, one of the last things that's done before our guys go out and get ready to play is Coach Downey. I mean, he's gone through all the plays, everything they're going to run, personnel, all these sorts of things. I mean, he's just given a lot of information uh, to the guys um, how to go out and execute a game plan. And then the last thing he does, he gives three or four items on the board of going, these are keys to win, really trying to simplify and give some easy, achievable goals that they can go out and be successful. And without just focusing too much on ourselves and making church too much about ourselves, I realize, man, we want a healthy church. That's what we're talking about, Acts chapter 2, right? We see the hand of God on the people of God as they gather together, and that's what we're longing for. Uh, but there are just some uh, practical parts of advice, I think, as far as engaging in the church that they're kind of hard to weave into sermons and all that sort of thing. And so uh, I just wanted to uh, take a few minutes as a part of these few weeks and go, hey, let me share with you, just as your pastor, a few a practical piece of it, pieces of advice uh, to do that. So if you've got your pen and, and a piece of paper, save the backside of your notes for the end. I'm going to use that, but maybe... Uh, in the margin of your notes or, or whatever, don't, don't use all the backside. I'm going to run through the last couple weeks and then give you a couple more, okay? So these are the keys to win that we've said. Uh, week one was uh, bring your Bible to church. Yes, I, you know, we talked about phones are great, technology, all that sort of thing, but it's easy to get distracted with those. Um, if that's the only way you can do it and that's the only option you have, that's fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I just think it'll help you better engage, better focus, better learn your Bible, having a physical copy of God's Word with you. You can note, highlight, all that kind of thing, okay? Be engaged during singing. Um, you know, just a moment ago, we just sang for some of you uh, a song you are not, maybe not very familiar with. And just want to encourage you in those moments, maybe you don't know it as well, um, to do all that you can to engage with that, try to sing it and learn it. For some of you, we sang a hymn, Nothing But the Blood, and some of you weren't raised in church. You don't know that song. Um, and, and just trying to learn that and engage and go, man, there's good truth in both. And the way that you learn it, uh, better learn it, is by singing it and trying to engage, okay? Um, three rules of engagement was the, the third point of that, and there are three aspects to the uh, three rules of that engagement. A, a person sitting alone is an emergency. Uh, we want to be a friendly, inviting church. Don't invade their personal space, but just sit near. That way they know, man, hey, I'm, I'm seen, I'm heard, and uh, just grateful to, um, to our church and, and just trying to be friendly. Uh, the, the second rule as a part of that was friends can wait. Uh, give that first five minutes uh, before and after service. Man, you're going to talk with them. You're going to visit with them. Uh, go go and, and meet our, greet our guests or go and meet and greet somebody that's been coming to church here and you just your circles don't overlap much. Uh, man, take a few minutes after service to meet somebody new or to connect with somebody you don't have as much opportunity, okay? And then the third rule of that rules of engagement is introduce a newcomer to somebody else. Uh, if you've got a guest or, or, man, you meet a guest, man, introduce them to somebody else. The way that we build community, the way we love one another is through making connections. And the more friendships and the more connections that we have in our church uh, with one another, the deeper our fellowship will be. Also, the more likely we, man, we're connected and people are going to stay connected. 
Uh, I mean, you'll see it a lot where a newcomer comes in and, and, and they're a guest and, and they're here several weeks and, and whatever reason, there's not much of a connection made. There's not many. And usually those are the folks that don't stick very long. Um, and so we want to do a good job helping to connect people, build friendships, uh, take somebody to coffee, take somebody to lunch, try to build that friendship and relationship. Okay, so that was week one of Keys to Win. All right. Week two uh, are these three. Uh, sit front and center. And I know it's hard to get Baptists to move. I understand. I, I see some of you, some of you, I'm trying to figure out what is going on. We have new guests this morning because you're sitting in a different spot. It's like our church grew overnight or whatever it is. Uh, but no, I understand. We get comfortable. I, I'm a creature of habit just like you are. And, and so I've got the places I like to sit or go into or whatever it is. Um, and just want to encourage you. Uh, we talked about sitting front and center um, and, and just, it, it helps you better engage. It helps whoever is preaching or leading, uh, to be able to, to see you and engage with you as well. Um, come, the second one was come early and ready. Do the preparations on Saturday night. Uh, don't leave Sunday morning as an open opportunity or leave an open to go, are we going to church tomorrow? Man, decide. Decide now as a family. Husbands, decide, man, we are going to church. It's, it, it shouldn't be from our kids or, or from one another going, well, are we going to go to church this Sunday? No, it, it shouldn't even be a question. And then on Saturday night, man, you lay your clothes out, get your Bible out, man, all the things that you need, get ready for, try to eliminate some of those things on Sunday morning. What are the kids going to eat for breakfast or whatever? Make it easy on Sunday morning. Uh, uh, just all of those things, try to eliminate all that the enemy can use to, to, to distract you or keep you from coming and then come and come a little bit early. Come and, and spend a few moments in prayer. God, I pray you'd speak to people today. I pray that you'd move, pull up on the parking lot. God, God I pray that your spirit will be here today. I pray that people will be welcome. I pray that as folks come in that are uh, struggling and dragging and, and, and having a hard time, uh, man, just, just use those few moments to come in. And now let me say this. Even if you are late, even if it is Sunday, it means Sunday morning happens, right? Anybody, does Sunday morning happen at anybody's house? Like, there's just, all the other mornings, there's, there's some struggles, but it's like, they all whoop on Sunday morning, right? Um, and, and maybe you have those mornings every now and then, you're late, and you're, man, not that you would fight, but maybe there's some disagreement going on before you get here and all that kind of thing. Come anyway. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Man, it's not worth going or whatever. Come. I'm not saying if you're late or struggling, don't come. I'm just saying make it a normal habit and plan to come ready, come early. You see the, the email come through and going, hey, this is what Pastor Chris Rivers preaching on. I'm going to read through that text. I'm going to pray through that text. I'm going to pray that God would speak through whoever's preaching, whoever's leading us, etc. Okay? All right. And then the third one's look to invite or, and or influence people to church. Um, invite your coworkers, invite your neighbors, look to invite them. Uh, it's still, it's unbelievable the percentage of people who come to church through personal invitation versus Facebook ad, um, just ran, just the way they come. Now we did talk about that sometimes people, the way they blindly pick a church and they move into a community is they Google the church and they read, you know, it's the first churches that pop up. And so encourage you think about, man, write a review how, about how you love your church or uh, how you're engaged and involved in church or whatever it is. Those things can influence people to come and be a part of our church, okay? Again, these are just real simple, practical 
things to help you better engage with our church, okay? All right, so I've got a couple new ones this week, and then we're going to move in. We're going to jump into uh, what's important, and that's the sermon uh, and our time together, all right? So the next, I've got two this morning. Number one, um, have a plan to give. Have a plan to give. Um, what do I mean by that? Um, first of all, man, have a plan in place. Uh, pray about, God, what is it you'd have me to give and, and however often you get paid, man, have a plan to give. If I get paid weekly and I'm going to give whatever it is, um, I want to encourage you to start somewhere, give something uh, as, as walk, walking with the Lord and obedience in that um, and, and growing in your faith. I think in, tithing and giving are an important part of your, um, your walk with the Lord and your own personal growth, okay? I really do believe that. Um, I know all the stereotypes about preachers always talking about money. I know and hear all that. Um, but, but friend, if you were struggling with sharing your faith or struggling with reading your Bible, as your pastor, I would not shy away from talking about that. So I love you too much in Jesus' name not to shy away from talking about giving, even though I know the stereotypes and all those sorts of things, okay? Um, it, I don't talk about it because I care about getting money. I talk about it because I care about your personal walk with Jesus and wanting to see you grow, okay? So have a plan to give. You give weekly, I'm giving this X amount. Weekly, or if I get, however it is, have a plan, okay? Be committed to that. As a part of that, have a strategy about giving when you are away, Okay, man, you're gonna have you're gonna take vacations, you're gonna all these sorts of things happen and come up in life. Let me tell you what happens in church life. And first part of the year, there's this giving trend and, and men doing well, and in the spring it peaks, and then as we get closer to summer, what do you think happens? It starts to drop. And over the summer, there's this almost a drought. And it and it, it's the lowest. Do you look 12 calendar months? It's the lowest during the summer. Why? Because people are gone. Vacations happen and all those sorts of things. I'm not saying don't take vacations. What I'm saying is I know you're going to take vacations. I'm going to take vacations, all that sort of thing. You and I both need to have a plan to give while we're gone. Gone on vacation or, or missed a week being out or whatever. Life and ministry in our church still happens, uh, Lord willing, even when me or you, either one, are gone. And so we need a plan to give. And that way, there's consistency and there's depth in our walk of going, even when I'm not here, there's a plan that's still to support and, and be obedient to what God called me to do and also support the church in which God has called me to be a part of. Does that make sense? So have a plan to give, okay? Um, it, that's one of, the reasons that, one of the reasons we make online giving available to you. Uh, you can set that up to where it's however often you get paid and whatever you want to set that, uh, you can do that. There's a really small minimal fee when you use the e-check giving option. Now, I understand not everybody likes that. That's fine. Uh, we have pink envelopes. Um, uh, we have envelopes around the church you want to give. You want to write a check or you want to give cash, whatever it is. That, that's, man, we're going to continue to have that as available to us um, as a part of our church, an opportunity to give. Um, but that's why we have you have options because we understand not everybody's the same and we want you to have a plan, okay? And then the secondly is um, we want to have a plan to attending church. And what, what am I speaking to with that this morning is this. Um, I hope you have 
and consistently, regularly come to church. Um, you're playing, I talked to you a minute ago about it, playing every week to be here. Now, I know life and things happen. Sometimes you're sick and not feeling well. Uh, sometimes vacation happens, whatever it is. Let me say it this way. Use online, online church sparingly or out of necessity. We know, man, everybody in, during COVID time, we had to figure out how to do church online, all this sort of thing. And, and most churches now have online services, including us. I'm grateful that we have those and we have continued those because we have some folks that are shut-ins and strong and just can't be here. And it's a way for them to continue to be connected to our church. I am grateful for that. However, the enemy has also used it for many of us whenever we stayed out a little late on Saturday night or we got up and we didn't plan as well and we're just him hauling around and going, man, I'll just stay home and I'll just do church online. Friend, let me encourage you. That's not a good plan. Now, there are times it, it happens. I fully understand. But the enemy, listen, what's most important about our church is not just watching church, but it's being involved in church. Coming together, worshiping, serving together. I understand sometimes jobs keep us. So I'm grateful that there's a way to be connected. Also as a part of your plan, not only when you're, you're here, whatever things happen, sickness happens or whatever, I'm grateful we have that. But when you go on vacation with your family, have a plan for church. Uh, and it's, it's great to go and worship with other believers. It expands our views. It helps us understand that the kingdom of God is bigger than these four walls. And there are believers all over the world that love Jesus with all their heart. And it helps us to go, man, I'm grateful that God is doing a work around the nation or around wherever, okay? So have a plan to go to church, all right? I know everybody okay this morning? All right, I feel like we just got lectured, right? Let me give you all these. But I hope, that's not, I hope that's not how it's coming across. I hope it's coming across of going, hey, here, here's some practical wisdom to help you be most engaged in church, okay? Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. We're switching gears quickly, and, uh, and we're, we're jumping right in, okay? So if you found your place, and you're willing and you're able, will you stand with me in the honor of the reading of the Word of God? And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and divided among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Precious Jesus, we love and adore you. We thank you for your word. I pray now, God in heaven, that you'd speak to us. God, you be glorified. We love you and praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. 
So we're jumping in. We're in part three. So let me remind you briefly of part one and part two, or maybe you weren't able to be with us. So I'll catch you up really quickly. We've looked at this passage, and one thing we've said is it's evident that the hand of God is upon this church. And we want to be a church that we see the hand of God, the activity of God, the way that this church in the New Testament, the establishment of the New Testament church, we want the hand of God on our church the way that uh, we see here in this New Testament church. So with that, then we need to look, what are the marks? What are identifying marks of this church? We said there are six of them. We have walked through four. We'll walk through five and six today. Um, and so what are those? We said the main idea of part one of, of, of this first sermon from the series is a healthy church honors God and seeks to reach the lost. So those were the two uh, um, uh, main, the, the two marks or two objectives of a healthy church, that they exalt God in everything that they did, and they are seeking to evangelize the lost. So exalting God and evangelizing the lost. The second sermon of the series said that a healthy church equips believers and encourages one another. So exalting God, evangelizing the lost, then equipping believers, understanding that the ministry doesn't solely take place through the pastor or the staff, but rather our responsibility is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, Ephesians. That's what it tells us. And so that we are equipping one another to, to reach the lost, to share the gospel, to love one another, to serve one another, to be a blessing to one another, that we are to equip the believers, and then also encourage one another. They come alongside, pray for, be a blessing to, uh, uh, admonish one another, bear one another's burdens, this idea of community and togetherness. That's the focus. So exalt God, evangelize the lost, equip believers, and encourage one another. And so then today, the third sermon and final sermon of the series is this, is a healthy church edifies one another and encounters God through prayer. The edification, the building up of one another and the encountering of God through prayer. So the question is the exact same this week as it has been the last two weeks. How are you helping Second Baptist Church Russellville fulfill these two objectives how is it god has called you here i trust to be a part of this faith family to be a part of this church and so how is it that you are helping to fulfill these two objectives if we're saying as we look at this church the hand of god is upon this new testament church and we want the hand of god to be a part here here are six objectives. These are just two of them this morning. How is it I'm helping Second Baptist Church have those and fulfill those two objectives a part of our church? This is accountability. This is personal responsibility. Here's where we struggle as a church, uh, as, and many churches do, not just ours. What tends to happen is we think about, yes, we need to evangelize the lost, and we talk about it collectively as a church, and we look, yes, collectively as a church, we need to reach the community, but rarely do we think about personally, how am I a part of, how am I responsibility uh, to reach the lost and reach our community? There needs to be some accountability and personal responsibility if we are going to be the church members that God has called us to be. 
All right. Well, let's dig into these two objectives. Number one, a healthy church edifies one another. A healthy church edifies one another. Notice verse 44 and 45. Now all who believe were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. What is happening? They are spending time together. They are learning one another. They are encouraging one another. We've dealt with that, but there's this building up. There's this equipping, but this is this building up, coming together, working together, serving together, and that's how we edify one another is that we come together and we serve together. They had, uh, there is a common belief in what God had called them to, the, uh, to follow the Lord Jesus. To, uh, they, they committed themselves to the apostles' doctrine in verse 42 and had all things in common. That they understood that they had a common purpose and a common mission together. Verse 45, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. What are they doing? Man, they are serving one another. They're serving one another. Isn't that just real small, practical, and and there's so much more to it than this, but I even think about today, and today's not the only opportunity to, to serve and be a blessing to Erica and Seth. But many of you, I mean, you raised your hand and said, man, I have something that somebody gave me, or or it's generous toward me and, and my spouse, we're getting ready to, to be married. And you think about how people sacrificed and gave and did so, all sorts of things for you. Just think about how that built you up. How it, and, and I realize some of you think, man, I, you know, whatever it is, um, how did the, the set of formal plates really edify? But it, man, it helps you uh, to, to develop your home. May it feel like home, may it feel like you, had, you could serve others. It just builds you up. Think about when people have served you, how it has edified you, how it has built you up, how it has encouraged you. And as a church family, that's what we have to be about. Yes, we are here to exalt God. We're here to evangelize the lost. We're here to serve one another. But let me tell you what often happens within the, uh, the activity of a congregation is oftentimes is that we have a person or a group of people that maybe feel, and maybe they are underserved. Maybe they're not getting the attention or the service in which they ought to or think they should. What tends to happen is that our, quite honestly, our selfishness moves in and we begin to fight for, struggle our own space, our own service, our own, and go, man, the church isn't doing anything for me. The church isn't doing this for man. In the exact opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I rather came to serve. And so what we need in the church where the hand of God is at is going, you know what? I'm maybe not getting as much service as I should. Maybe I'm not getting as much attention, but how might I serve others? And then if other groups would turn around and go, man, how we might be able to serve others. And, and, and what happens is collectively we are serving one another and collectively we are being built up. But too often... 
We're spending more time fussing and fighting because I'm not getting me or mine and I'm not getting my way or my preferences. Instead of going, you know what? What if for right now in this season in life, God has called me. It's God's desire for me to serve somebody else. To serve somebody else. A church that loves others before we love ourselves. We love God and we love others. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference. Preference to one another. Galatians 5.13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. But do not use liberty as an opportunity of the flesh, but through love serve one another. And Jesus has saved us. He has given us freedom. And may we use that freedom. May we use that forgiveness to serve somebody else. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you're also doing. And look for opportunities to build somebody else up. Look for opportunity to serve somebody else, to serve some other area of ministry. May we edify one another. A healthy church edifies one another. And then we're going to move quickly to number two. A healthy church encounters God through prayer together. Notice in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We've spent time talking about that. It's the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And in fellowship, we spent time talking about that being together. In the breaking of bread, again, spent time talking about that, but then I want you to circle, underline, highlight, asterisks, and in prayers. And by the way, in the original language, there is a definitive article that is there. Literally, it reads, in the prayers. So, the context here is the establishment of the church. It's believers coming together. The people or the, the subject of those coming together in apostles' doctrine, is it singular or plural? It's plural. They continued steadfastly in apostles' doctrine. It's not one-on-one, -on -one, it's they collectively. Well, is the singular purple of the fellowship? It's still they. It's not singular. One person coming together, fellowshipping with themselves. Uh, that, that's not the idea. It's people coming together. In the breaking of bread, again, it's not singular. It's plural. It's the coming together. And notice this. And in prayers, it's not singular. It's plural. Much of what I've given you has been adapted from uh, one of my seminary professors I went through my doctorate of ministry with, and that's Dr. Chuck Lawless. 
And there's a lot of people who have written on this passage and have written about identifying marks and, and, and keys that, that identify the New Testament church. And most of the models that you find out there find five identifying marks, and they use a little bit different language, but they cover all the five that we've already mentioned. And you know the one that is most often left out is this one. And what's, your, what's being referenced here? Real simply, you may write this in your notes, it's corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. What do I mean by corporate prayer? It's not, corporate prayer is not the, the kind of praying that you are a part of or part, that takes place in your house and, and in your prayer closet or down on your knees beside your bed or driving in your car when you're alone. That is private prayer that you are engaging in and you need to be involved in that. That's crucial. That is important. The Bible speaks to that. Those that lead your home, men and, 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 and mamas, you, you need to engage in family prayer. And there ought to be times in your homes, man, we get up in arms and, and just frustrate things and just wonder, man, how much time do we spend in prayer together in our homes? We need to teach our children to pray. We need to spend time in prayer together on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be uh, hours on end. It doesn't have to be overly elaborate. But spend a few moments praying together. But then there's an aspect of prayer that we often miss out on. And I'm not sure outside of exalting God, it may be the next most crucial aspect because I think when we exalt God in everything that we do, then it leads us to corporate prayer. And this is the lifeblood of a healthy church when folks are praying together. And unfortunately, and I'm going to, I don't have long because we're going to pray together before we finish, all right? So I got to say some things real direct, okay? And I love you in Jesus' name, right? There's a big difference in churches that talk about praying together and that actually pray together. And I have to confess to you that I have failed you as your pastor. Over the last few years, I have failed you in not leading us to the altar of God and spending more time praying together. Y'all, we can, we can do a million programs. And we make a million plans and we have a million committees and do all the strategy. But folks, if the hand of God isn't on it, it ain't worth doing. And I know that's not good grammar, but it's good preaching. And somewhere along the way, it's tempting for a church to program the presence of God out of a church. I have to confess that as I was getting ready for this and in the last couple of days, there's been a saint of God that God called home a few years ago that I realized I missed so deeply. Miss Betty Real helped your pastor in more ways than you could ever imagine because she helped me keep prayer as a focus. 
and she championed prayer in our church. Second Baptist, if we want, some of you have been here a long time. You've been through a lot of seasons. Some of you haven't been here as long. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, I'm telling you, and I believe this with every fiber of my being, none of us will see the activity of God in our church the way that we want unless we get really desperate about seeking God together in prayer. There's no other substitute. The least attended thing that we do as a church is our Wednesday night prayer meeting. The least intended special activity we'll do is whenever we call for a prayer meeting. And I understand. There's, no, there's nothing real appealing sometimes about prayer. And sometimes we shy away because our personal prayer life isn't where it needs to be. Or our family prayer life isn't where it needs to be. And I... I get there's a, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of factors in there. Please understand, I'm not saying any of this to be condemning other than I'm, I'm just confessing before you of going, I've not done a good job as your pastor of keeping prayer a priority in front of us. And just, I know, I, I know folks are hungry for it. Just, just a couple months ago, not even probably a couple months ago, I meet with a group of, of some young college men and trying to help disciple and grow them and, and invest in them. Some of, these, some of them are sitting here this morning. And near the end of the semester, we had a few times where I taught and spoke on prayer about praying the Bible, using the Bible. And you know what we did a few times? One time we came in here, we laid our Bibles out, and we just got on the altar and prayed. And we spent time in my office a few times. We just got on, on our knees and prayed. And out of all the things I've ever done in discipleship groups and investing in people, and all the different things we've done, you know what the one thing that they've asked me repeatedly to do again? Is get on our knees and pray. I think some of us have forgotten. Forgotten what it's been like. Last time we got as low in our physical posture as we possibly could and begged God to do things in our life that we know we can't. You and I both know for, the, for most of us we're missing the power of God in our lives. Eighteen fifty seven, eighteen fifty eight. The church in New York City was, immigrants were hitting the shores like crazy. The community was changing. Thousands of immigrants were coming in by the shipload. Different languages, different ethnicities, just changing. Leaders of the church realized that a lot of people were moving out of downtown New York City because it was changing and they didn't know how to reach them. And the church and hired a missionary named Jeremiah Lamphere said, we need you to help us figure out how to reach these people. 
And he went around and he was knocking on doors, visiting people. He was an evangelist trying to lead them to the Lord. And he got overwhelmed by the work. He spent three months doing that. And then one day in his personal time of prayer, felt like God told him to start a prayer meeting. And he went back to the church to tell them that he believed this is what God would have them to do. And they virtually didn't believe him. And they said, that's fine. And they gave him a room on the third story of the building, a little small room to have a time of prayer during a business day. And during the, it was during the noon hour. And back then, people didn't go to lunch at noon. They went and took a rest. <laughs> All of Wall Street, everything shut down. People would take one hour break. They said, there's no way you'll have anybody come. And on uh, September 17, 1857, Jeremiah Lamphere, he had passed out flyers and all these things. And he went up there and when the meeting started, when the prayer time started, he was the only one there. And he got on his knees and began to pray. And by the end of the time together, there were some six or seven individuals who had trickled in. And so he waited a week later and he did it again. One hour, noonday prayer meeting. And by the end of that, there were some 30. So they waited another week and they did it again. And next thing you know, the room was almost at capacity. And then, after that third week, it went to every day. And it continued on for decades. Noonday prayer meeting every day. Next thing you know, he had the entire building of the church. He had also rented out a theater that was down the road, some 2,500 seat theater, and there were people standing outside waiting to get into the prayer meeting. People were coming from all over the country to get in on this prayer meeting. And often what happened, the story was like this. Chris would travel from California or travel from uh, uh, Arizona and they would come and they'd be a part of the prayer meeting and people had heard about this and they were writing in prayer requests. And the first few minutes of the meeting, the, uh, the, whoever was leading, whether it's Jeremiah Lamphere or another pastor, they would lead a, a few passages of Scripture, and then somebody would stand up and give a prayer request, and then somebody else would stand up and pray. There was limits on how long they could pray, and there were limits on how long, how often you could give a prayer request. And they would often have people write in, they would open up those prayer requests and lead. Oftentimes, this is what would happen, and there are multiple stories of this happening. That Chris, who was a non-believer, was from Arizona, but had heard about this, so he wanted to go in and see what was happening and Chris sitting in this uh, uh, this prayer room there was somebody would open up a piece of mail and say we have a prayer request from Arizona and this prayer request is from so-and-so and wants you to pray for my son who doesn't know Jesus and his name is Chris and Chris would stand up and say that's me and that's my mama and give his life to Jesus and they said and nearly over the next year One million people came to faith in Christ through a prayer meeting. It began all over the country. Say, well, that doesn't sound like a whole lot. Well, let me help you remember there were 17 million people there in the United States. 
that happened today, be somewhere between 25 and 30 million people coming to faith in Christ in the next year. You know what would happen? Legitimately, if that happened in the next year, do you realize we don't have enough seats in churches to house that many people? Legitimately, I'm not making that up. We do not have enough seats in churches all across our nation to, ha to handle that many people coming to faith in Christ. God have mercy on us for forgetting and failing to be desperate for Him. Folks, I'm telling you, God can do more in a moment. And there's testimony after testimony in this church of you seeing the hand of God in your life because you pray or somebody was praying for you. Some of you know, every one of us probably have come to faith in Christ because there was somebody loved you enough to pray for you. And so we're going to have a time of prayer this morning. I've preached longer than I wanted to preach. I already wanted to be praying, but I believe I've said what God wanted me to say. God called Betty Real home. God calls people home often. I wonder who God is going to raise up to help us as a church champion prayer for the days ahead. And we learn to pray again. We learn to depend on God and be desperate for God again. I don't know what it looks like, but I know this. We have to make prayer a priority once again. Every one of us have been guilty of, of fussing and going, well, everything happened when they took prayer out of school. Unfortunately, prayer is out of churches. How dare we fuss about prayer not being in school? Let's not be a church that talks about prayer anymore, but a church that actually prays. you'll bow your head and close your eyes and, and I'm going to pray in just a moment there may be somebody here needs to be saved you need to give your life to Jesus here in a minute when I pray I'm going to stand down front for just a moment you come say pastor I need to be saved today and I'll share with you somebody one of our folks will share with you how you can do that how you can be saved today but whenever I finish praying in just a moment I, when I pray, I'm going to beg God. That less, I realize we've got some that are not physically able. I'm, I'm, I know those that are, are not physically able are the ones that are probably, man, they're probably crying right now, wish they could get on the altar once again like they used to. Except for those, I'm praying we don't have a person left in a pew. Because we're that desperate. We're confessing. We need to get right with God. Begging for the power of God on our lives. Some of us have never experienced that. We don't even know what we're missing. Some of you have. You forgot what it was like. So I'm going to pray. And I just want you to do what God would have you to do. When I finish praying, you move. Jesus... I'm sorry. 
God, I'm sorry. I pray you'll forgive me. I pray for those wrestling right now, struggling. God, I just pray in these next few moments we would we'd be obedient to what you have us to say and do and be. God, help us to respond to you. Not to me, not to what I want, not what others think, but simply, Holy Spirit, that we'd be obedient to you. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. If God spoke to your heart this morning, you do business with him. God's in with your heart. You come, kneel at this altar. Maybe you just need to kneel at the pew where you're at.
Jesus, we love you. God, I pray God, you be exalted and you be glorified. God, I pray that we wouldn't get over this moment, get over today. God, I pray it'll bear fruit. It'll bear fruit for years to come. God, I pray after today our church is never the same. Lord, we want your hand upon this church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one last thing I want us to do before we finish. And here in just a minute, be a little bit of moving and, and understand. Uh, if you need to go, something's going on, you need to go. I fully understand. Uh, but I really believe the Lord wants us to do this. And so what we've done is we've done private prayer. And I cannot imagine preaching on corporate prayer and us not having some moment of us praying together. So here's what I need you to do. If you take notes or whatever the case is, I need you to take your note sheet out, turn it over on the back. I want you to write some things. Okay? It's going to go pretty quick, so uh, get your pen, your piece of paper. Okay, I'm going to give you these six pillars, these six marks of a healthy church. Okay, number one is exalting God. Number one is exalting God. Number two is evangelize the lost. Evangelize the lost. Exalt God, evangelize the lost. Number three is equip believers. Equip believers. Number four is encourage one another. Encourage one another. Exalt God, evangelize the lost, equip believers. Number four is encourage one another. Number five is edify one another. Edify one another. And number six is encounter God through prayer. Encounter God through prayer. Exalt God, evangelize the lost, equip believers, encourage one another, edify one another, and encounter God through prayer. Here's what I want us just to take a few minutes to do. Here in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to find five, six, seven, eight people, okay? Form a small group real quickly, very quickly say hi, okay? This is not the opportunity uh, to encourage or edify one another necessarily. This is not an opportunity for fellowship. We're going to pray together, okay? So I want you to find five, six, seven, eight people around you, all right? And then I'm going to ask somebody to be bold enough to lead us in, uh, lead your group in prayer. What are we going to pray about? I just gave you the six items I want that person to lead in praying about. Praying for our church. God, help us to exalt God in everything we do. 
God, help us to evangelize the lost in our community and around the world. Help us to equip, encourage, um, edify, encounter. You get the idea. I don't care if you use that language or not, okay? You pray however it is you talk to the Lord. It doesn't have to be pretty. Uh, it doesn't have to be in Old English. The Lord understands good old Southern Arkansas English just as well, okay? You just pray to the Lord, asking God to do in our church family that what we see in the New Testament. And here's the thing. What is it at the beginning? Added to the church. At the end, added to the church. How many want to see God add to our church daily, those who are being saved? They prayed together. They prayed together. I realize this is uncomfortable for many of you, and some of you maybe haven't been coming very long, and, and go, man, I, I don't know very many. Don't worry, there's some who have been coming here a long time, and their, their blood pressure is up, and they've got the sweats too, okay? I get it, we're all uncomfortable because this is not what we normally do. But friend, let me tell you, the New Testament church that we just read about didn't know church without this without praying together, okay? So, we're going to be as efficient as we can. Again, I understand we're a little bit after 12, as if that somehow became the universal. You have to stop church at that time. I don't know uh, when that happened. But you know what? If, if something's happening, you need to slip out. There's no, I, we understand. And I, I love you. I'm not taking notes. I promise you. Uh, it's not going to be on next week's Keys to Win or anything like that. I, you know, life happens. I understand that. But if you can... I,